0: Welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. It's the podcast that translates Donald Trump. We take a look at the current administration and address the existential threats to America. America's our topic today. Joining me today is Rachel Campus Duffy. She's a Fox News contributor and author of the new book Paloma Wants to Be Lady Freedom. You'll hear about that in a little bit. We'll also get some of your emails. You're writing us a lot. That's a wonderful thing. But I have some thoughts about America, too, and Claude's going to help guide me through it.
1: Dr. Bennett, you've got uh, a new book out. We've been talking about it for weeks uh, coming out. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Well,
0: first of all, I'm delighted to be on the Claude Jennings Show. Yes. Uh, (laughs) This is the classiest book interview show. This is the place everyone wants to be if they have a new book. (laughs) There you go. I do. I do. Let me be perfectly honest. It's a new book. It's an old book. Uh, but as uh, many listeners to this show know, old books are some of the best books. Mm-hmm. Um, about a dozen years ago, ten years ago, I did uh, three volumes, uh, America, the Last Best Hope, three volumes. What I've done here uh, is to collapse the three volumes into one. Did some editing, did some taking out. It's still, a, it's a big book. It's nine hundred pages, but it's all one. It's all in one volume, and it's the history of the United States. And it's uh, I wrote it for several reasons and. Maybe I can just start by telling you sure. what my reasons are. First of all, to give hope, um, we're, a lot of people are discouraged with the state of the country right now, wondering whether, you know, it will endure. Uh, it will. Um, I believe it will. Uh, Lincoln, uh, and I talk about this in the purpose of the book, said that the further we get from the founding, his worry is if, if our, our, our appreciation of the country would fade. It would dim, dim. And for a lot of americans it's pretty dim right now so i wanted to bring more light to it and remind people of it uh the second reason is uh, to enjoy enjoy the story it's a really enjoyable story it's not a dry dust story it's full of great examples it's great let me tell, tell you one story from the book uh, one of my favorite periods which i had to get reacquainted with the war of 1812 and British uh, are there and uh, outside New Orleans, and uh, they thought this was going to be a rout, the Americans. Uh, they were so uh, confident that they had uh, their friends and their wives come on boats uh, and s- there outside the city and stay on the boats to watch the show as they defeated these rascally, you know, frontiersmen. Of course, we routed them um, and, um, you know, battled New Orleans, other battles, were very one-sided. Uh, Andrew Jackson, of course, distinguished himself. But there's a great story about a, uh, maybe a little grizzly, but it's about fighting between the uh, Americans, the British. There was this Tennessee squirrel hunter, and uh, he shot a, he shot a British soldier. He thought he did, and his friend said, how do you know? He said, well, let's, let's go over and look at the body. He said, if, uh, if the bullet's uh, right below the right eyebrow, that's me. <laughs> if it isn't, it's somebody else. They went over and there were with a bullet hole right below the right eyebrow. Oh, wow. So these guys underestimated the Tennessee squirrel shooters. <laughs> and the books filled with stories like that. Um, happy ones, um, interesting ones, hard ones. There's the story about uh, after the Civil War, one, one Union soldier says, you know, I saw that statue of John Calhoun, the monument to John, Cal- John C. Calhoun of the Confederacy, uh, vice president of the United States earlier. And... Um, the other Union soldier says that's not his monument. He said the, 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 the real monument is a ruined South, uh, and an entire generation of men in the South lost their lives. That's his real monument. Mm. Wow. Calhoun did that. And that's a, quite a quite a moving thing. There's a lot in here. It's just a lot of stories, um, and um, people need to know the stories. That's to the third reason is tell the truth about American history. A lot going on right now about America that's not true. And a lot of the textbooks used in our schools are telling things that are not true about America. Uh, the fourth reason is uh, thanks, gratitude. This is the greatest political story ever told. And it's not known by generations of kids. I was going to say just kids, but now it's adults. I think maybe anybody who's a baby boomer or below wasn't taught American history in the right way. Um, but back to back to the truth. There are some very ugly truths in America. The worst day, in a course of course, is slavery, um, and uh, debates and discussions exist to today, uh, through today. Uh, and it was an America that uh, you know that, that we hate, we hate, we, we hate that memory, and that's part of the story. And I tell that story in all its in all its graphic detail. But it's also a country that recognizes its faults and tries to do justice. To bring it about, you take the figure of Martin Luther King and others, Frederick Douglass, and, you know, it's addressed. Maybe it took too long, but it's addressed, and it's addressed through the American documents. You know, when King says, when I read the Constitution, when I read these words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, well, then, let's make him self-evident. Mm-hmm so uh that's part of the truth telling and uh you know I'm, I'm happy to tell you maybe i'll diminish sales here but i got great reviews on this book from liberal professors sure as well as uh money conservatives a couple of conservatives think this is the best book i've ever done better than the book of virtues nice so uh that's that's very nice but it's a it's an honest story claude it's an honest telling uh and then just and then just two uh two other reasons uh one is to is to rekindle the memory uh of uh of this country um, so people will will appreciate it uh, and remember these things as I said you you remain alien to yourself foreign to yourself in a country in which your past uh, in which your past is denied and I'd like to recover a sense of patriotism uh, in this country a proud patriotism an informed patriotism not a blind allegiance to anything the leader does or anything the country has ever done Uh, it's a mixed record and finally, uh, love, romance. This is the most dramatic, romantic, dramatic story. People come here with impossible dreams, and the crazy thing about it is these dreams come true. They do. Mm-hmm. These dreams come true, and they come true every day, every day, every week, every month, every year. So that's why I did it. And um, people who've looked at the book said, oh, boy, that's a hefty book. Well, it's a hefty story, Right? And there's a lot in there. <laughs> But if you want to equip the next generation to understand what this country's about, I think you could do worse than buy this book for children, grandchildren, nephews, nieces for Christmas. Wow.
1: Okay. A lot to unpack there. Uh, just taking notes. Um, y- y- just looking current day. Why do you think it's popular to be down on America? Oh, I think it's the fashionable crowd uh, set. It's just the sophisticated. And by the way. It's- yeah. It's popular to be, da- to be down on America, and it's done a lot by people who benefit from the country. Oh, yeah. From the luxury, of, and they enjoy all the luxuries of the country, yet it seems like they're always down on the country.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, make your money, make your fortune, and then mm-hmm. get on your private plane and fly to Europe and get over there and trash the United States. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a new fashionable thing, a, a kind of moral superiority, a kind of pseudo-sophistication where the uh, cool people are critical of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a phrase uh, in Latin, "Odi profanum vulgus." I hate the vulgar proud crowd. How do you distinguish yourself as a sophisticated person by disliking the things that normal everyday Americans like? They like Disney World. We don't like Disney World. Mm-hmm. They like football, and baseball. We don't. we don't like football, and baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and that's that's it. There. So who was it? I think it was Fred Barnes who said the new breed of transatlantic agnostic liberals <laughs> uh, who who at least say they they have no home here, but they do not actually
1: move out of the country in the election of a Donald Mm -hmm. Trump, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, um, we talked about this before on a previous podcast and you mentioned a lot that, you know, when you talk about the founding fathers, how, uh, happy and, and maybe even shocked they'd be that the country, you know, has made it this far and this long, the great experiment. Um, it almost as if they're in, in that same vein, that some may take for granted that the country can and will just make it just because it's America, but it takes patriotism and effort. Yeah, and fighting for
0: freedom—the way you talked about. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, uh, the mode in which uh, you know if the success of the country is inevitable, the mode in which the inevitable comes to pass is effort. We have to we have to work on it, uh, and that's what I try to do in this in this book.
1: Talking about America, the last best hope is the one-volume edition by William, yeah, by William that's me, J. That's me, <laughs> not you. That's right. Anyway, no, you're right. Look, uh, Washington wondered
0: how long the republic would last. John Adams thought, you know, the risks were greater, uh, and survival was, uh, you know, not so likely. So um, we have survived much longer, uh, and uh, we're still, you know, a young country as the world goes. But more people. Have, and more countries have imitated our documents than any other documents in the world. And, and it's lasted, you know. it'll be. We're coming up on the 250th anniversary of the uh, Declaration of Independence. That's just six, seven years away right now. So, um, you know, we've lived longer continuously under one set of principles and documents than any country on earth, even though we're not uh, the oldest country by any means. Wow. Now,
1: how hard was it to get
0: this into one volume? Hard. I had help from uh, John Cribb, whose colleague who worked with me on the Book of Virtues. I had a lot of help originally, and uh, the book was from Robert Morrison. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I can't do all this lifting by myself, but um, I had the final say on everything, and um, the direction of the book, the the, the 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 compass of the book, the vector of the book, what the book was to accomplish and do, and um, it was hard because uh, when you write, what did I write? Maybe fifteen hundred pages or thirteen hundred, and you collapse them into nine hundred. It's kind of like choosing among your children. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that part. I love that passage.
1: (laughs) So, but uh, we got it done, and I'm very happy with it. Uh, so, it, again, the name of the book, America, The Last Best Hope, the one-volume edition, William J. Bennett. Um, you talked about – That's better, Claude. <laughs> thank you. You talked about including some of the uh, – including the past, I mean, from slavery, and segregation, things like that. Uh, talk about the importance of, you know, we don't have to run from it, but at the same time, it doesn't define us. You know, it's part of our past, but you talk about America's ability to self-correct. I mean, it's in there. Yeah, the
0: New York Times has the 1610 project, first uh, slaves brought to the U.S., Jamestown, and says you have to view all of American history through this lens. Uh, well, you have to view all American history through several lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, this is certainly a part of American history, can never be blot- blemished, uh, blotted out or ignored, but it's a part, it's a piece, uh, and justice must be done to that consideration. But to say that all of American history must be looked at through that lens is to distort American history, and it's to distort the promise that is America uh, and what America has uh, has been and become. Uh, it's a story, and it's a story of struggle. It's a story of improvement. It's a story of self-correction, uh, but it's a magnificent story. Remember, you know, with all the criticism of America, there's still, you know, one still has to ask, why the heck does everybody want to come here? hmm you know, if it's so daggone bad, why do you want to go there? Uh, and uh, and they do. And
1: they do. Absolutely. And uh, a, a couple of things, you know, when when uh, you hear people, the American citizens, talk about how bad the country is, they often refer to it as America or this country. They never embrace it as our country. Um, for, you know, a, a kid, you yeah. know, much like myself, Washington, D.C., lower middle class, lower middle class by standards, but we felt poor, uh, who probably uh, didn't grow up around this Americana idea. What do you hope they get you know, from a parent giving this to a kid who might not have been surrounded by this thought of patriotism? That, no, this is your country. Yeah, I was thinking of my
0: wife, Mrs. Bennett, who uh, runs a program in the inner city. You do mm-hmm. some work with best friends. And she was talking about talking to the kids at a school here. And, of course, there's tons of immigrants from countries all Absolutely. over the world here. Mm-hmm. And she was talking to the girls, and they were talking about, you know, their soccer team and how they communicate. And so the girls went around. One girl said, well, I'm Ethiopian. Well, I'm, I'm from India. Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, uh, I'm I'm Mexican. I'm, uh, I'm Venezuelan. And Mrs. Bennett said, wait a minute. You're not any of those things. Maybe your parents are from there. You're Americans. Mm-hmm. And that's the question you're asking. You need yeah. to identify yourself as an American when you are an American. You're an American, and to embrace it with all its blemishes, all its warts. Um, but you know, a lot of the histories that have been written have been warts. You know, not warts and all, but warts. That's all. Mm-hmm. You know, right? right. And uh, and and you know, if you're if you're embarrassed to say you know you don't want to say you're American, want you to say you're Ethiopian. Why do you think your parents or grandparents decided to come here?
1: Right.
0: Right. Yeah. I had, I have a friend uh, who's Italian descent and he said I remember he told me a story. He said he asked his grandfather, Can we go back to Italy someday? And his grandfather said, If I wanted you to see Italy I would have never left <laughs> <laughs> he said, Be happy
1: where you are, it's a better place. Right. Yeah. Again the name of the book America, the the last best hope, one volume edition. Um You yeah, can't tell you where that quote comes from? Yes.
0: 1863, Lincoln, uh, an address to Congress, which uh, would now be the equivalent of the uh, – equivalent now would be the State of the Union address, but he, he sent it to them, said, um, that, you know, in the middle of the Civil War, uh, we shall nobly save or meanly lose this last best hope of earth. Uh, those were the stakes, and the world, whole world was watching. And so he thought the republic was at great risk. A lot of people think the republic's at great risk today. I, I do. I do, but uh, I think we'll heal because I think the capacity for self-renewal is at work in a lot of American hearts. But it will be help, helpful to people to know what this country is and, and is about. And in in the long history of human misery,
1: uh, the American achievement is not only high, it's pretty much unique. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just two last questions. Number, uh, just from a personal standpoint, your love and passion for the country. Like I, From just my standpoint, Honestly, you're, you are the first like person that I've met or encountered in life that I could say, this is an American patriot, you know, and I've learned that from you. Uh, and that's me <laughs> in mid to late twenties, find that I talk about just your love and passion for the country, just personally. Uh, my personal
0: story. Look, I grew up in New York. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't impoverished. Um, I was thinking of that when you said that earlier, I was thinking about Dave Chappelle line. <laughs> He said, he said, I talked to these white people, say, man, I just am poor. I say, no, you feel poor. You're not poor. I'll <laughs> tell you what poor is. Anyway, anyway, and we didn't feel poor. We weren't poor. Uh, but, you know, we are a middle class family in Brooklyn. And my mother's married three times, divorces. Uh, I was raised by my mother, grandmother, and my brother and I were, told uh, we had to get uh, work hard, scholarships to college if we wanted to go uh and maximize your talent both on the uh in the classroom and on the playing field and i got into williams college and um i'm sure part of it was my sats another part of it was i was a football player mm-hmm. they thought i had potential uh and then uh, i went and did a phd i did a law degree at harvard um and i ended up in the cabinet of the united states mm-hmm. how does that happen i huh. didn't know anybody um, growing up, I wasn't royalty. I wasn't aristocracy. I wasn't dirt poor or come from the other side of the tracks or discriminated against. But you know, a scholarship student, basically, as my brother was. And he's a very successful lawyer in Washington. Where does that happen? It happens here. right? So that's, you, you got to, you know was the movie, I think it was the movie about uh, Rocky Graziano, the, the fighter, where he says, somebody up there loves me. Mm-hmm. You know, right, he made right. it from dirt poor to the to middleweight championship. Um, somebody up there likes me. Um, God likes me, I believe. I hope. Hope he does. Mm-hmm. Hope he approves. Not everything, but no, he won't approve everything. But but this country has been so good to me and to mine. My younger son joined the Marine Corps. Uh, he was at Princeton and he signed up to be officer and joined the Marine Corps. And a lot of the fellow students said, what are you doing that for? And he said, uh, I I need a real challenge. Mm-hmm. He said, but also he said, this country's been really good to me, really good to me. And uh, I'd like to give something back. Mm-hmm.
1: Nice sentiment. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just the last question if in, in in a sentence or a phrase, someone were to ask you, you know, what's what's America? What's the... Big deal about this country. What, how would you answer that? Two words: no privilege. Mm-hmm. We we are all created equal.
0: Uh, nothing galls Americans in the past or the present in the feeling of un, unwanted or undeserved privilege. Mm-hmm. They do think special, you know, license and special privilege should be allowed to people because of safety considerations. Uh, respect for office and so on so you know the president's treated in a crowd different from the rest of us but think of think of the outrage today over a couple things did uh you know from the democrats side gee did the did the president use his influence to help his kids the trump kids mm-hmm. uh, a lot of accusations have been made along those lines i don't think anything's been established but look at the furor about biden Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and did, did Biden's uh, being vice president influence, you know, the, the decision people made to put his son on the board? And almost certainly it did. Of a but company where he had no experience no, in kind he, of, he of money. Essentially, <laughs> essentially admits it. And that, people don't like that. That's what I mean by the no privilege. Right. Or look at the the more obvious example, these uh, kids going into the college because their parents, you know, lied on their right. resume, sent a check to the coach of the, the rowing team or something. And uh, people just get galled at that. They say, wait a minute, you know, remember Bill Clinton used to say, work hard, and play by the rules. Mm-hmm. And if people work hard and play by the rules, they'd like to know that they can succeed. Mm-hmm. That's very, very important and still is. And I think that's a very big part of America. But even bigger than that is the aspiration,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the notion that, uh, you know, you can make it here. And once you make it here, you can make it anywhere in the country. And people still believe that. Last story. I went to England and I spent time in uh, British schools. I went to Europe. and went to other places when I was secretary of education. The secretary of state for education in uh, Great Britain came over and visited with me. And we went to um, Amadon elementary school in D.C. School was uh, part of my wife's program, best mm-hmm. friend's program. And we talked to these children. And uh, they were most, mostly minority children, mostly black children. And uh Ken Baker asked them you know what they wanted to do what they wanted to be and uh when we got back to my office he said you you're still just so much greater country than great britain i said why he said because those little children many of them not uh not born well not uh, wealthy genuinely poor he said they dream they hmm. really have dreams they have aspirations Um, they want to be astronauts and doctors and, you know, and physicists and chemists and football players. And he said, uh, and they, and they believe they can Mm. kids in England want those things too, but they don't believe they can like they do here in America.
1: Well, America, America. Mm -hmm.
0: the last best hope
1: that's the name of the book what is it what's the name of the book america the last best hope one volume edition the author william j bennett thanks for coming on the claude jennings book Podcast. (laughs) yeah you're welcome you need a little work but uh i'd I'd say it
0: was very satisfactory thank you claude
1: you're listening to The the bill bennett
0: show let's welcome to the show rachel campus duffy she's a fox news contributor and author of the new book paloma wants to be lady freedom rachel welcome to the show
2: Hi, Hester Bennett. So good to hear from you and so happy to be on your show.
0: Well, thank you. Congratulations on the new baby.
2: Thank you. Thank you. We're so excited. Her name is Valentina Stellamaris.
0: Valentina, beautiful. May I ask an impertinent question?
2: Sure. Of course. Anything.
0: Are you guys done?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. I'm well, pushing 50. So. <laughs> look
0: at, I'm, I'm, I'm all in favor of more campus stuffies. Then, I'm in favor of all you, you can produce.
2: And the, <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, we, um, Rachel, welcome to the podcast and uh, everybody uh, looking around for Christmas and a good book to buy and uh, read to your kids and uh, read yourself. Tell us about Paloma and Paloma wants to be Lady Freedom. Why does Paloma want to be Lady Freedom? Who is Paloma?
2: Well, I actually have a daughter named Paloma and when she was around four years old, we brought her to Washington, D.C. for the first time. It was shortly after Sean, my husband Sean, Duffy had been elected to Congress and You know, I've been to the Capitol a few times. I never actually noticed the the statue on the top of the Capitol. But my little four-year-old Paloma became instantly just mesmerized by her and um, wanted to know all about her, wanted to be her. We had to dress her as Lady Freedom that Halloween for because she, you know, just was so in love with the idea of this woman, you know, that stands on the top of the Capitol when we explained and, and learned about her so that we could, you know, Feed her curiosity, essentially. She, you know, just loved this idea of this woman on top of the Capitol at the highest point of our nation's Capitol fighting for freedom. And she's, she's a warrior. And, um, and it just was such a great, um, metaphor for so many of, of, of us women in this country and men as well who are, you know, the battle for freedom continues. We see it in our politics right now. Um, and, and so I wanted to write a book that, you know, explain that, but also celebrated uh, our values as Americans, but also citizenship because the way I frame the story is that she is the daughter of an immigrant. I am happened to be the daughter of an immigrant um, mother. And so I wanted to celebrate this idea of citizenship as well, because I think we're losing um, the value of that as we talk about, you know, uh, illegal immigration and you know we have our presidential candidates now saying that you know we shouldn't criminalize people coming over illegal illegally and what that does by extension is devalue the process of citizenship which is a very beautiful um process
0: yes it is i want to get to that policy side um in, in a sure. few, few minutes but take us a little bit inside the book which i have read uh on a couple of children's books myself, and this is it's a lovely story. Tell us how the story begins and what it goes through, and how it uh, more or less how it concludes. But don't give away the ending.
2: I won't give away the ending. Um, the the little girl Paloma wants to go to a birthday party um, for her friend and wants to stay back home so she can go to that party. But her father had already planned a trip to our nation's capital to celebrate his citizenship, and she's kind of you know. Ticked off about it, she doesn't really want to go on the trip. But she takes this trip. She gets a chance to go see the monuments at night, which is always a beautiful thing to do in our nation's capital. And while she's visiting the monuments, she actually, you know, sees the capital. Um, And if you've never seen the capital at night, it's just breathtaking. Um, And so we we try to capture that. I have a great illustrator. Um, he's actually British, uh, but he did a really great job of capturing how beautiful our capital is. And she she sees the statue, and she she wants you know to to, to you know no, know all about it and who is this. And her parents say, you know, we're going to go tomorrow, and so she goes the next morning into the capital. Obviously, her father is really excited about this moment, but she's really curious about the lady on the top of the dome. And while she's in the capital, she gets lost. And a Capitol policeman, um, ends up engaging with her in a conversation, realizes she's lost, and she ends up, as she's searching for her parents with the Capitol policeman, she learns about different, um, things that are happening inside the Capitol Mm of beautiful paintings, um, the statue of Rosa Parks, and she starts to kind of put together what it means to be, um, you know, to be a lady freedom, um, to be someone who fights for freedom and cares about these values that are very unique to our country. I won't give away the ending um, except to tell you that when I came with my little Paloma, um, I, I didn't she was so in love with that statue. I, I bought her a little keychain from the Capitol um, gift store. And when my little Paloma came home from that trip, the first thing she did was hang it on the top of her little Cinderella castle on the highest little turret. Wow. And um, it just goes to show that sometimes it's our, it's our kids that remind us of just how simple these messages are and yet how important they are to who we are as Americans.
0: And we see them through, through their eyes uh, in your yeah. dedication page, beautiful page, by the way. Uh, To Paloma, thank you for allowing me to see freedom through your eyes. We see it again through our children's eyes, don't we?
2: Yes, we we really do. And that's what we're fighting for. Um, You know, that's what we all want. We, You know, immigrants come to this country at great sacrifice. Um, My own mother, you know, gave up her her citizenship to become an American, and it meant something. And she went through a process um, that helped really, I think, ingrain that even deeper and give her an even deeper pride um, in, in what in who she is. And I, and it's no surprise to me that, you know, some of our staunchest um, patriots are immigrants because they really know what it's like to live without these freedoms. And, um, and so that's something I think my mother imparted to me. I, my father was, um, is, a, is an American born citizen. He's a Mexican American, but a military guy. He has his own, Um, you know, understanding of freedom and and what it means to be an American. But there's something about immigrants who go through that process. And that's I wanted to capture all of those things.
0: You bet. I've done a couple of swearing-in ceremonies. And people who go through the process regularly, normally, legally, it really is very moving. It's very moving to see them and see what it means to them. I had a teacher who said, uh, the more recent the immigrant, the better the citizen. And in many ways in many ways that 's true. I mean, if you want to find love of country, look at it through your daughter like Paloma, or uh, through the eyes of a person who uh, who struggled and worked to get here let 's talk about I want to come back to the book but and again, folks, the book uh, is Paloma wants to be Lady Freedom," written by Rachel Campus Duffy, Paloma wants to be Lady Freedom. Um, by the way, I'm talking about my book today, uh, too, Rachel. So I want you to know you have equal time with my book. That's how much we. Think Great. Of you guys. <laughs> by the way, is this illustrator? Is this supposed to be Sean Duffy here walking around with <laughs> loading this red station wagon? Is that is that supposed to be Sean Duffy?
2: Uh, no, 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 okay. no, no, no. Looks a little like him. <laughs> Looks a little like him. A little, a little like a. But he's a. That's a Latino dad. Sean Duffy's a Wisconsin. Lumberjack, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, supposing we put a flannel shirt on this guy. That yeah, be could be. All right, I, I thought it was a little, a little anyway, anyway, very cute. Um, how serious a threat to legal immigration, A, and B, I'm really jumping here to the big policy question, the existential question. How serious a threat to legal immigration and to the, our definition of us as a country Uh, It's illegal immigration and the kind of policies that these liberal Democrats are recommending.
2: Um, I think it's a real uh, danger. I mean, again, you you devalue the process. You devalue uh, what it means to choose a country to respect its laws. Um, There's, I mean, if you ever want to see the people who are most angry, I just did a, um, uh, a special for my mom show on Fox Nation with immigrant moms. And talk about people who are upset with our policy, those who have gone through the process, who've waited in line, um, who understand and appreciate that what makes part of what makes America great is rule of law. Um, most of their countries are dysfunctional because there is no rule of law. And that's why they want to come to America. And so if the very first thing that you do upon entering our country is, is not respect the rule of law. There's there's a breakdown there and, um, And there's also this notion in America that, you know, we are all equal under the law. And so there's a lot of breaking down of some of these very important fundamental values um, and things that we we used to kind of expect um, in America because of that. Um, But also, you know, we're living in a time where, you know, we see so many Hispanics um, wanting to come into our country, some from Central America, but many of them from places like Venezuela and still Cuba. Um, no one knows better than Latinos um, about not just dysfunction, but socialism. I mean, we're seeing this real trendy notion of of socialism and um the government getting bigger and taking away our freedom and having so much more control over our lives and our individual liberty. And it's so ironic to me as I watch this all unfold as mom, as a Hispanic woman that the leader of this is really not Bernie Sanders. It's AOC. It's a Hispanic woman, which to me is so ironic because no one knows better than Hispanics um, that socialism doesn't work. So you have these people coming across the border legally, illegally escaping these kinds of governments. Um, and, and here we are um, in a situation where we have millions of, of young people in college who have no idea what it means to be free. And they're often the ones most, most, um, in favor of, of speech codes on campus um, we're seeing a breakdown in the passing of these values from the adult to the kids to the young adults and I think that's the danger dr. Bennett yes,
0: I agree I agree and that's uh, that's a reason I wrote my book but we're talking about your book we're talking to Rachel campus
2: uh,
0: Paloma wants to be lady freedom I just, just want to um some concluding thoughts here, and I want to go back to your dedication page and have you just comment. I mentioned to Paloma, thank you for allowing me to see freedom through your eyes. That's right. To to see again as a child um, is very important. I think it's very important in in my faith, Catholic faith, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and in in other faiths um, to become not childish but childlike. Uh, and to have, mm-hmm. to have that innocence again found in our in our vision. Then you say, uh, Rachel, to my parents, you taught me to love America and appreciate the gift of citizenship.
2: Gosh, it's, it, it's so important. And you know, one of the reasons why you know when I say seeing it through through Paloma's eyes, seeing the Capitol, you know, I'd been to the Capitol, not inside the Capitol before Sean was elected, which is interesting. Neither of us had ever been inside the Capitol, but we'd been to Washington DC before and neither of us had noticed Lady Frito on top of the dome. Uh, um, and what I've heard from so many people is that they also, um, you know, when they buy the book, they're like, wow, I, I never really noticed the, the, the statue on top of the dome right. and, you know, the entire city, um, you know, the, the, the DC area, the monuments, um, the white house, the Capitol, all of these things are, are these beautiful, um, uh, uh symbols uh, and all of it has a lot of, a lot of meaning behind it. And all of us need to rediscover that, um, the way a kid sees Washington DC for the first time, the way a kid sees and hears about this notion of, of fighting for freedom, and and the kind of symbolism, of which you'll learn about in the book, kind of symbolism that was put into creating that statue, we've kind of stopped doing that sort of thing in yeah. our country anymore. So, yeah, I think it's important to see it through the eyes of children, through the eyes of immigrants, as you um, talked about, uh, that often are some of the best citizens we have, because to them, they are seeing it for the first time. And they have such an appreciation for it that many of us native-borns know.
0: You also have to my children, uh, to Sean, uh, special thanks uh, to your daughter, Lucia. Lucia Belen.
2: Yeah, Lucia Belen is uh, 15 years old, and she was a, an incredible focus group for me because she's sort of, you know, she has siblings who are younger and siblings who are older, and she's sort of between being a child and being a teenager still in that phase. And so she was really good for me to be able to bounce ideas off of, off of, as I was writing the book, as we were doing, it, you know, and approving illustrations, um, and and even um, the glossary and what what we should include, because she helped me keep my focus on 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 the child side of things and making sure that I wasn't um, writing this. Um, you know, I was writing it with, with a child in mind who was reading it, and she yeah. really kept me on focus that way. It was really
0: great. Yeah, George Eliot has phrased the distorting presence of a different standard, you know, the, the distorting yeah. presence of an adult standard. You want to see it through a child's eyes. And then you end Absolutely. with an adult, an adult I'm very attached to still, man I worked for, and I was in his cabinet, Ronald Reagan. Freedom is never more than one generation, one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. I used to say that the you know love of country, appreciation of our country, doesn't come in our genes. It has to be taught. Uh, that's and right. We have to take them to the capital and see, and we must teach them these lessons that we that we were taught, and that's uh, that's why I wrote my book. Final comment, uh, Rachel, about Paloma wants to be Lady yes. Freedom.
2: I- you know, a lot of us parents go into Barnes and Noble or go onto Amazon to purchase books. You'll see that there is such an emphasis these days, um, almost an obsession with diversity, which is of course what makes us different. And what I think, what I tried to do with this book is talk about what unites us as Americans and those are values. And again, back to the quote with Ronald Reagan. I am a, I am a diehard Ronald Reagan fan. I, I just, I think he was such an amazing presence in our life. And that quote is so great because it talks about our job as parents and imparting those values. Um, we, we can't continue as a republic, as a country, um, without passing these values on. And when we fail, and I think we are failing um, in many ways, we get a generation of college kids who actually think socialism might be a good idea. That's it. It's dangerous. That's it. But we have to start very young, as young as this. Because I can tell you, my kids are learning far more about, you know, environmental, green, green energy and, 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 and all that stuff than yeah. they are about our, our values um, as Americans. So start young and support books that actually impart those values.
0: Aren't you glad we have a president who stands up for American freedom? Oh, Education yeah. this president has provided to a lot of Americans about China. You know, I think, yeah. you know, and then and then you see, I don't want to get into another long discussion here, but how this has re- re- been revealed about the NBA and, you know, and the, and the money mo- motivation. Uh, you know, I uh, people ask me, will, will President Trump get this deal with China? And I, I've now changed my answer to, I, I don't know, but I think he's going to get credit because he's opened people's eyes to the difference between us and a totalitarian state.
2: A hundred percent. 100% I agree right. I agree
0: Paloma wants to be Lady Freedom <laughs> Rachel Campus Duffy thank you and congratulations and Merry Christmas it's early Merry Christmas we did it we just taped the show for Thanksgiving didn't we
2: <laughs> we did we already shot our show for Thanksgiving so I'm going to wish you a Happy Thanksgiving, Dr. Bennett, and tell you that I've been a fan of yours, and it is such an honor to be on your show. I've been a fan of yours since I was in college and and involved with Empower America um, way, way, way back then. So um, thank you for having me on my show. it's, I'm kind of, you know, fangirling here on you. So.
0: Well, thank you for that. I appreciate everything except the way, 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 way back. But uh, a lot of ways <laughs> goes back. for me, that, too. You know, that goes for no, to no, me, no. too,
2: Dr. Bennett. No, no,
0: it's, it's, per- it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. Thanks, Rachel.
2: You got it. Thank uh, you, Dr. Bennett. Take bye-bye. care. Bye. Bye. You
0: are
1: listening to The Bill Bennett Show.
0: Claude, since you interviewed me, and for all practical purposes, it's a lot of the Listeners think this is your show. Uh, <laughs> can I get in a couple of uh, sort of last gasps here, some sort of self-serving <laughs> Please do. Uh, pro- promotions. One, the book, America, the Last Best Hope, one volume. It's available. Mm-hmm. Buy it for every young person you know, please, or as many as you can afford. Um, because it's, it's the story of America, and it's good, and it's been very well reviewed on all sides. People say it's accurate. Mm-hmm. I believe it is. Second, we taped uh, a couple of wise guy shows in New York recently and uh, wonderful. The theme was business, American business. And I interviewed Jason Trenert, who's the head of uh, Strategic uh, uh, strategies, securities in New York, wall street firm, uh, David Asman from the Fox business network, uh, Joel Farkas, uh, entrepreneur, oh, nice. oil and gas entrepreneur, businessman from the West gave us a great perspective there. And Mike Lindell. Uh, and when I introduced them all, when I got to Mike Lindell, I said, "I said, hey, hey, you're that guy, <laughs> <laughs> right? You're the my the pillow thing. guy." Yeah, he laughed. We were talking, uh, and I know it's a sensitive area, but it's still very funny. We were talking before the taping. David Asman, Fox Business I to Mike Lindell, and he was just going on and on, and, on and the enthusiasm you see on TV is just it. It's just he. Mm-hmm. It's who he is. He's like that all the time. He's just going on 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 on. And Asmund said, Man, you are just unbelievably full of energy and and vitality and nonstop. He said, You know, what the hell were you like on crack?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what well, he said And he shared that story on the podcast, he by the way. Folks that, can go back and listen to that. He yeah, was on the show talking about it. But
0: during the interview <laughs> well, uh, he said, but Lindell said in the course of the show, was, I said, tell your story, not the two-hour version, not the hour version, not the half-hour version, to the six-minute version. So make a very long story short, he said, so I finally got the right stuff to put into this pillowcase mm-hmm. and uh, these things. And I explained to somebody, and they you know, didn't believe it. And they said, you're crazy. You're not going to be able to sell anything. Are you crazy? You can't put stuff like that in a pillow and expect it to work. He said, what, do you want crack or something? Mm-hmm. Mike said, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. <laughs> I don't want this to be an inducement or incitement or a suggestion everybody should go and crack. Yeah, no. This guy was able to handle it. He broke his habit, came to Christ truly, Mm -hmm. Um, and Christ came to him truly. And uh, giving away his money now to mm-hmm. all these great causes. If I'm not
1: mistaken, I think he shared on the podcast that there was a point where some of, the, even some of the dealers saw so much potential on what he did, they refused to sell him crack anymore. They, did. they came. Did? They had an intervention. He said, "My dealers had an <laughs> intervention
0: with me." Ridiculous. He then hired a couple of those dealers for yeah. uh, MyPillow. dot com. Great guy to be with. A lot of <laughs> lot of fun.
1: Those guys were good sales. I, mean, I, and told I, them,
0: I told them, I said, pay tribute to every night. Mm-hmm. I have two MyPillow.coms. There That's it is. Mrs. Bennett and I called. Mm-hmm. She says, you're, you're pushing MyPillow.com over to my side. And I said, yeah, where's my other MyPillow.com? She says, over here. Don't get, ex- don't get nervous. You. <laughs> you know, I'm a kid with a teddy bear. i got to have MyPillow.com. Right, right. Uh, before we uh, go to our emails, um, I am told, I know. I just talked about football and baseball and all, but I don't follow baseball anymore. Two reasons. <laughs> okay. Two reasons. I grew up in Brooklyn. The Dodgers left Brooklyn, broke my heart. Okay, so that's it. I understand it. The and Dodgers then our two sons played lacrosse, so all spring we had to go to double lacrosse games.
1: So you couldn't pay attention couldn't to pay baseball pay attention. that day. And I
0: also, I thought it was a faster game. It's
1: slow right the now, baseball man. Is yeah. Slow. However, really slow. I am
0: told you grew up in DC, right? Mm-hmm. That the uh, Washington,
1: the Washington Nationals.
0: I was going to say the Washington Senators. Close. No. That was years and years ago. The Washington Nationals
1: are doing what? Yeah, well, they're in the World Series. They are in the World. At the day that we're taping, that's this. the one they do to win to become the World exactly, Champions. Exactly, the champions. And so Tuesday, the 22nd, is when we're taping. This is game one, is tonight in Houston. Wow. Okay, so the World Series. And,
0: um,. The Washington Nationals versus the Houston Astros. Well, right. It's very
1: interesting. Well, the political question is, will we see Ellen DeGeneres alongside <laughs> George W. President no, Bush no. At the game. That's an easy one.
0: <laughs> I know all the hullabaloo they mm-hmm. made about this. That's an easy one. Mm-hmm. Will we see Ellen DeGeneres next to Donald J. Trump? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to say no. Probably not. No. No. But it goes along with this whole narrative we talked about since the radio days. This liberal hierarchy of the loves. I mean, they turned on her quick, and all she did was enjoy a game. And say, hey, we don't agree, but we can enjoy it.
0: He's probably more liberal in, on this stuff than George W. Bush, right? You know, New right. York guy. I mean, you know?
1: anyway, there they go. They turn their own, on their own fast. Right? No, 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 no. <laughs> she did. But well, let's talk. It, let's like, talk about another sport. Let's talk about football. All right. Let's move off of baseball. Yeah. These Patriots. Beat the Jets, I think thirty-three. Yeah, zip, we watched it. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, but uh, yeah, the, I think the scary thing right now is that their defense is playing, you know, really, really good. And you know what? And you can say all you want that they they haven't played anybody in the first uh, six seven games of the season, but they play who's on the schedule, and they're dominating who's on the schedule. They're not just squeaking past the Jets or the Dolphins. I mean, they're beating them bad. Yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Look out for San Francisco Forty ers They're unbeaten. They mm-hmm. Look very good. The other sports team in Washington, not the Nationals, but what's the football team called? Oh, the Washington Reds. I yeah. forgot conveniently. <laughs> My goodness, that's a sad no story. need to
1: pay attention to what's happening. Oh man, let's talk college. Uh yeah. So um, I'll, I'll tell back. you right now, the Tua. playoffs. Tua, he's hurt.
0: But, well, I know, but uh, but I think back pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I think Is two what or you three weeks. Say? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's okay because they got, I think it's uh, somebody easy this week and then a week off.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And then LSU. Right. And that's the game. But let me tell you right now what the playoffs are. Mm-hmm. Can we put a marker down? It's October. I'm going to tell you who's going to be in the playoffs. Okay. Uh, with only one little asterisk. I'll pick five teams, not four. The top five right now. Right. Alabama, mm-hmm. LSU, mm-hmm. Clemson, mm-hmm. Ohio State, um, is that four or five?
1: Clemson. You said Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State. That's four. Who am I forgetting? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. All right. So it'll be those four teams. I mean, four of those five.
0: The winner of the LSU Alabama game. Right. We'll get it. It'll in. be the winner of the LSU Alabama game and Oklahoma and Clemson and Ohio State. That's my prediction. Wow. I would have thought Wisconsin had a shot, mm-hmm. but they lost it. Illinois. Illinois. Unbelievable. Yep. And the Ohio State so we get some emails, I'll say he's looking very good, very good, very strong.
1: Right. Uh, By the way, Alabama has Arkansas coming up uh, this coming Saturday, being October 26th. Then they do have a bye week, and then they've got LSU. Nice to have a bye week to prepare for LSU, Mm -hmm. which is a powerhouse
0: team. A couple outside possibilities. I don't 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 see see I mean, maybe Penn State, maybe they'd have to beat Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Minnesota is unbeaten, but they haven't really played anybody. But we'll find out because they got to play Wisconsin. If they win the, the uh, that division, they'll play Ohio State. We'll see. Um, uh, you know, one lost team, Auburn, uh, Oregon. I, I, don't, I don't see it.
1: Right. We could probably check in with our guy, Smith, though. I mean, uh, we could probably check in with our guy, Phil Steele. Phil Steele. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, we should give him a call, especially with Thanksgiving coming up. And by the way, uh, we did get one email. We will do a uh, Mrs. Bennett's table roll for thanksgiving we will that. We will podcast that. okay okay good all right let's go to our emails claude okay this is from uh james uh who uh says uh, regarding your october 15th podcast if senate republicans were to vote for impeachment i believe it would unleash a fury among the base uh the likes of which they have never seen before uh at that's that, right mm-hmm. that's right he's right they, they won't stink stand now they won't
0: But I'll just say this: the impeachment process is 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 starting to vaporize. I think blow up. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just, I I think they're going to impeach in the House, but it's not going to go anywhere. It's not not going to be convicted. But the president lost more altitude not on these impeachment accusations, but on the Syria Turkey thing. Mm -hmm. More Republicans disappointed on that, and outspoken Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, others. Mm-hmm. On um, on the Erdogan thing, very complicated, as we'll get to in another email coming up. But go ahead, keep 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 reading them.
1: Yeah, he says uh, if anyone um, uh, votes for impeachment, they will they should prepare for a primary challenge uh, and then life outside the government. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's right. All right, this next one, uh, hi Claude, addressed to me. Um, I listen to your program. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> we're in transition obviously. Right. during my morning walks I was surprised to hear our email read by Bill today as is often stated and quite true nurses run the hospital. Oh, wait a minute this guy this is a woman uh, this is uh, from John but it's signed as Marianne and John from uh, Hinsdale, Illinois alright so the Hinsdale couple is getting a second email read, mm-hmm. two
0: email reads in a row. Right? Does have anything to do with the fact that they refer to it as your it's show? Possible
1: that I put it in for that reason. <laughs> Butter up the host, or the guy you want to be the host. Nurses run the hospital, serg- uh, sergeants run the army, and Claude runs the podcast. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Marianne and John. Thank you. Yeah, he does. Uh, another uh, email, and this is from our I just friend, do voiceover. <laughs> John Brower. Uh, he, said he calls himself an avid listener from Michigan. He said, loves the podcast, look forward to them every week. I enjoy your guests, opinions, uh, and especially your polite, respectful disagreement, if any. My question is about the f- uh, former frequent caller to your previous shows, Dr. Marty from Louisville, Kentucky, I believe. Uh, he says, I love his opinions. Uh, can me like interrupt? Here. We're
0: after Dr. Marty. Yes. I don't know what his problem is. I think he's still practicing medicine. He's still operating on Well, Fox. we need so. to get his priorities right. We've been emailing him. back
1: and forth for like uh, the last six months. We want him on months. the show. People,
0: right. he is in very popular demand. Right. You know, if I were an insecure person and begin to think, <laughs> you know, what they want is Claude and Dr. Marty and Bill, just move on.
1: No, 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 no. The show doesn't run without you. But we, we, we've been trying to get Dr. Marty. You know. Unlike the radio days where he could just call in in between operations. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, we've got a schedule on that. Yes. Yeah. Um Yeah. We should ask him, too, if he still has the uh, – if he screens uh, patients. They, right. <laughs> they if they vote didn't vote for vote. Trump, they'd come in right away. Right. <laughs> uh, this one from Diane. She says, uh, hi, Dr. Bennett. I have been long curious about the fact that you and another one of my uh, heroes, Gene uh, Kirkpatrick, uh, started out as Democrats. I don't know a whole lot about the uh, party other than its uh, slave past, but I believe it is also responsible for some of the productive uh, labor practices being put in place. My parents were both factory workers, and my mother in particular swore by the Democrat Party. Uh, Could you enlighten me? No, for a lot of
0: laborers, uh, the Democrat Party was the place to go. Uh, It's right about being the slave party. I mean, it was the Democrats. And, you know, if you after Lincoln, for 100 years, if you were black and wanted support – from political party it was the republican party um and again this is a history that needs to be learned by people but no i have samuel gompers and right down the line uh afl-cio labor movement uh even uh you know some of the early days of teachers unions american federation teachers not the current ones um you know very closely aligned with the uh, with the democrat party um And, uh, you know, I was a Democrat. I grew up a Democrat. I was an Irish Catholic growing up in Brooklyn, New York. You know, we didn't know any Republicans. (laughs) So there's a history there. But that was a very different Democrat party. Mm -hmm. Very different. I was a Scoop Jackson Democrat, a Daniel Patrick Moynihan Democrat, uh, not a uh, Nancy Pelosi or AOC or Mm -hmm. Bernie or Elizabeth Warren Democrat. My gosh,
1: they're on the left cliff. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, uh, if you listen to a popular sports commentator, Tony Kornheiser, he talks, he sure. t- jokes about this all the time, He's all, about how Elizabeth Warren and he, uh, ALC, are always, in his, pockets trying to take his, always what? in his pockets trying to take his money for no reason. Oh, yeah, like, no. I heard this money. Why do you want to take it and give it down to other people? Yeah, I know you've already taken them. Which is interesting. I
0: know, they won yeah. it all.
1: Uh, let's see. So, yeah, Diane, uh, thanks for that email. Uh, and we've got Norm. Uh, he says, just finished listening to your latest podcast. I think you have a poor understanding of the Kurds. He says, Iraq, pretty good, probably the one you're thinking about, Turkey, uh, Kurdistan Workers Party, uh, PKK, uh, Stalinist, uh, have caused uh, tens of thousands of deaths, uh, Syria, YPG, aligned with PKK. Uh, do you still want to support the YPG? The U.S. worked with the YPG to destroy ISIS, but that was just as much as uh, in their interest as ours kind of like world war ii alignment with the ussr uh, part of the reason there's never been a kurdistan is uh, that the kurds are very divided who wrote that uh, norm
0: yeah no I, I norm makes the argument i'd make uh yeah i know a lot of bad guys in the kurds and some particularly in some divisions of the kurds but like we allied with the soviet union uh What did Churchill say? I will sign a pact with the the devil if it will help me defeat Hitler. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're not that bad. Um, Yeah, there's some really radical left people, some terrorist Kurd types. Um, Nevertheless, uh, they did help us uh, with ISIS. Uh, And the Kurds are a big and complicated different group of people. If you're going to leave, that's not the way to leave. Uh, You don't leave because Erdogan calls up and says, I'm going in. Get out. I, I, I don't want to suggest that's exactly how it happened, but but um, he's a strong guy, Erdogan, but our president's mm-hmm. a really strong man, too, and I you know, I, I just wish it hadn't happened this way. Um, it's very complicated. We'll see how it turns out. It turns out a lot of our guys are going to Iraq. Right. Um, so they're not coming home, and you've heard me all about coming home anyway. I remember that platoon of Marines that came here for was it, Thanksgiving or maybe just football weekend? I can't remember. My son was a lieutenant, and I uh, brought the other guys from Officer Candidate School, Marine Corps, from Quantico up and uh, talked to them. And they didn't want to stay home. They wanted to get in a fight. They wanted to go somewhere and mm-hmm. serve their country and fight. So uh, I understand bring them home. I understand
1: the sentiment of parents. That's. I was a parent. We wanted sure. to go home. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's not why you sign up. Okay. And uh, one final email uh this individual did not sign the email, so I'm not sure who it, who it came from, but said, uh, "I have no faith that any Democrat will pay a price for the multitude of crimes they've committed all this time uh, and not one i don't want to read a, I don't want to read an
0: email on that side, okay, okay, no, I mean, I just you know, yeah, 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 no problem. Uh, right. wait a minute, it doesn't say Pierre delecto does it no <laughs> what is going on there <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> What is going on? This is Mitt Romney's nom de plume. Mm-hmm. Mitt Romney, a.k.a. Pierre Delecto. It's kind of. It doesn't sound right, does right, it? You right, right. No, it does not. Clean Mormon it's Pierre weird. Delecto. It, yeah. What is he doing? I and mean, he used it to, to. First of all, he used it to praise himself. Mm-hmm. Pierre Delecto would, would tweet that you know Romney was a swell guy. And of course, this was Mitt Romney with another identity I, it's just yeah, weird as you heck. know people
1: have these social media burner accounts it's
0: so weird Yeah, I heard someone said maybe this would be great maybe Trump should pick this up so
1: mm-hmm.
0: he can tweet all he wants just have a different name Yeah, and he will get he will
1: get uh, tied to all these tweets but yeah. the president
0: is out there with his name he doesn't care
1: kind of a secret Twitter account and he, <laughs> he
0: Mr. Romney know about this? I don't know you know the horrible thing is I mean it looks like really kind of banal stuff and political stuff, mm-hmm. but when you have a, 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 an account, a secret account, and your name is Pierre Delecto, everybody I've talked to says, oh, my God, it's like Carlos Danger. Yeah, no, you right. You know, that Wiener thing. It's a weird well, situation. Yeah. you yeah, would be fair to Romney, I'm very critical of him, but there's nothing like that in here as far as we
1: know. But uh, my gosh, why do this? It's yeah, weird. As if it couldn't be traced. I mean, there are all kinds of. Uh, I mean, you athletes can find out who it is, right? Yeah, athletes do this all the time, where they get a burner account uh, and they start to kind of troll fans that troll them. They fans who are overcritical of an athlete. Athletes will get burner accounts and they'll fire back at fans who are critical of them. And it's why would you do that? There's no point in in any of it. So I don't know what the point of this whole. Pierre had yeah it's it just
0: it's a weird, there's two really weird things in the news right now one is this Pierre Delecto thing <laughs> the other one is i, I just you, you could knock me over uh hillary clinton comes out of total left no field mm-hmm. to say that there is a russian uh you know um agent basically a, a russian fellow traveler someone is serving the russian attempt to undermine our election in the democrat primary mm-hmm. and she well it's process for elimination it was clear she was talking about tulsi gabbard <laughs> and tulsi gabbard just took great offense at it mm-hmm. and said what is your evidence you know that i'm i'm a uh i'm working for russia and um hillary hasn't said anything uh, I heard a couple Republican congressmen say, you know, she's lost her mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I don't like this lost their mind business. You know, I, I think people do stupid things right when they're sane. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I don't like people saying the president has, you know, has lost his mind. It's just, I just Hillary. Just get over it. You know, but mm-hmm. but I'd be interesting to see if this gives a boost to uh, to uh, to Tulsi uh, uh, Gabbard's campaign. But right. It's, so weird. It from is. Hillary. What is high. she doing? Bill, Bill, you know, take her out to dinner. Just came out of like, yeah,
1: spent some, spent some time. <laughs> spent some with
0: some her. quality time. Man. Well, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett and like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week.